0: Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Heberding and John Crabtree. Broken up. Picked off. This game is over. Well, I'm the best corner in the
1: game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. L.O.B. He wants to get in a fight. You can't do that. The
2: quarterback, you can't fight. fight. Out, down the sideline. Can they catch up, Stokely. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable!
3: All right, you are welcome along to the Super Bowl podcast. Uh, delighted to say we've got a full house for us. Kian is here. Keen, how are you? I'm
1: doing well, how are you?
3: We've also got Sam with us. Sam, how are you?
0: I'm good, there
3: We've got uh, Mick, who's pissed off that pissed the Patriots <laughs> aren't in this game.
0: You stole my joke. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm over it now. That, I, I really like the extra week off, actually, I have to say. You I don't think that would have been down. up for the Super Bowl at all this week. If yeah. it was
3: Gronk seems to have got over it pretty quickly. Bumping <laughs> and grinding live on TV. That's
0: Gronk. Being it's a stripper. Win, lose or draw, it's always the summer of Gronk. Isn't yeah. starting in February.
3: Well, yeah. It's, um... Do we want to talk about Johnny Manziel for two seconds? Does anybody have anything? You've been, keen telling everybody to shut up about it. So uh, <laughs> I might start with you.
1: No, I just, I generally don't really know what to say with these things because we don't really know the whole story but the, the thing i find fascinating is we always kind of pick pick and choose who who needs help and who's just an asshole yeah or better do like i can say who's just a bad guy and uh it's it kind of people just want to rush to have an opinion on it and i generally just kind of want to say let's just wait and see how, how it develops though so, because not everything needs to be a story not everything needs to be something we have an opinion on you know
3: yeah somebody was making the point that uh brett Favre back when he was uh, drinking various states dry, had to be sent to Green Bay away from the beaten track and, and so would have been up to a lot of stuff that we never got to hear about. But now, uh, I think it was Chris Westling actually, now it's um, social media, you get every second thing that Johnny Manziel does gets amplified. That doesn't excuse anything that he's doing. One last point on this, Sam, before we go um, onto the actual football. Everybody's saying, oh, well, it's pointless you know, because he never had the skill set to be an NFL quarterback. But I'm not necessarily sure that's true, is it?
2: No, he's he's never got a conventional NFL quarterbacking skill set, but he's developed a little bit already. I mean, he came out and was a guy that was ridiculously raw as a pocket passer, was just getting by on athleticism and ad-libbed ridiculous creative plays. Um, and he still does that. That's still his main strength. But he did get better as a passer. I think there's something to work with there. The only question is, are you going to get the chance to work with it because of what he's doing off the field? And is that kind of stuff that you can fix? Or is he just inherently one of these guys is a bit of a, you know, a crazy outside of the system quarterback. and you can never really tame it. I mean, yeah. the same thing was true about Brett Favre to a degree. They had to really tame him and make him work within the system. And it took a while before it eventually happened, but it did happen. I, I don't think we know yet whether it's possible for Manziel. Um
3: The, the, Josh Gordon stuff over the last while. Where he's applied to get back into the league for having uh, barely enough cannabis to to rate in his system once, and then having a beer on an airplane while one of the coaches of the Browns was there is one of the most ludicrous suspensions in the history of any sport. When you consider that. People take drugs and get four games, like performance enhancing drugs and get four games, whereas he's had a a season out. And you think of the treatment of Justin Blackman, for example, two seasons, effectively. Uh, You think of the treatment of Justin Blackman, who's now lost to the game entirely, despite the fact that he was an absolutely prodigious talent. And you wonder if maybe uh, stopping teams from being in contact with players while they're suspended is really counterintuitive and doesn't work at all that actually if, if teams could say okay we're going to look after you we're going to put our arms around you we're going to uh, hire somebody to babysit you and make sure that you go to your AA meetings or your NA meetings or whatever it is the problem you have that maybe the league might actually benefit from helping these players Keen.
1: yeah well the thing I would actually uh, focus more on is what they're suspending because what we saw with Chandler Jones a few weeks ago and the story with Chandler Jones was he turned up at a police station shirtless uh, just asking for help because he was after taking something that is a uh, synthetic marijuana which is not against the NFL rules you can take it all day if you want to there's no problem with it but it's apparently more dangerous than marijuana because you don't know what's in it yeah. and you don't know what, what's going to happen so so he's doing something like that whereas Josh Gordon was doing whatever he was doing and he wasn't hurting anyone he wasn't hurting well I don't know if he was hurting himself but he wasn't hurting in it, hurt, uh, he wasn't turning on police stations with shirtless in the middle of the night asking for help at least so I, I, it's, it's hard to really know what to do with these things. It, it's largely down to the player themselves because Gordon does seem set to come back. He seems to have taken care of every, by, by everything we've heard. He seems to have taken care of himself, whereas Justin Blackman just kind of went away and kept getting worse and worse. So it, it, it's, it's each individual themselves. The NFL could probably do more, but we probably won't even hear about it if they do.
3: OK, let's talk about the Super Bowl because we're really looking forward to uh, an absolutely amazing defence against a team that at the start of the year, if you'd said they had a brilliant attack, everybody been like, "Well, really? Tekken Jr., what? Uh, is, do, Jericho, no way. But it turns out the Carolina Panthers are absolutely lights out on offence uh, so far this year, Sam. And generally in history, when the great defence meets the great attack, the great defence wins. Is this one of those times when that doesn't hold true?
2: Um, it might be. The Carolina offense is a different kind of great offense. All the recent really good ones have all been, everything has been about the passing attack and the receivers and the way they, they're high-octane. They just go deep down the field. They, they're they really difficult to shut down from that standpoint. Carolina is more because of what they do on the ground, I think. it's new, Cam Newton is just this complete unique prospect as a quarterback who – The sheer size of the guy, every single time you watch him in a game, it's just mind-blowing. He's like 6'5". They list him at 245, I think, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was closer to 260 after a few years in the league. And he dwarfs linebackers. You know, the guy takes off into the open field, and he's significantly larger than the main tackling machine that are trying to take him down. And that allows the Panthers to do a whole bunch of stuff that nobody else would dare do to their quarterback. You know, run QB power, run a bunch of option stuff that's actually exposing him to big-time hits that nobody else would do to their quarterback. And it makes that offense so much tougher to shut down. And then you add in the huge arm to that and all those kind of things, and it's just a a very formidable attack, but it's all based on Cam Newton. Yeah.
3: So, if he has a bad game, Carolina are screwed.
2: Pretty much, yeah. I think they have the advantage in the run game. I think that offensive line is good. The Broncos, if they have a weakness on that defense, is the run D, um, plus all of the the different things that the Panthers do and make it difficult to, to contain that running game. I think that's where they have the edge. But the more I think about it, the more I think Denver do have the edge when it comes to the passing game. With the the sheer number of pass rushers they can deploy and from all the various different places and the coverage they've got to be able to shut down those receivers on the back end, I think if Carolina passes too much, Denver has the edge there.
0: Here's, I would say, though, sorry, just in terms of if you just look at the last game and you think that that was like an all-time defensive performance, obviously they've been the number one defense all year, but like if you just take the AFC Championship game, you've got New England who can't run the ball and have no offensive line. So you get the two of them together and Brady isn't the type of guy who can shrug off or run around the pass rush. You know, it's like all three of those things are something that Carolina have.
3: Just to go back onto the Denver D, right, and how amazing they are. They beat Pittsburgh, who did not have their first choice or second choice running backs and who had no Antonio Brown. uh, And then they beat, as you've just said, the Patriots. Are we in any way in danger of slightly overrating what Denver have done on defense this year so far, Cian?
1: No, I think are actually in danger of doing the opposite and overrating what the Panthers have done because of who they've beaten recently and how they've beaten them. Uh, I think I, I largely agree with what Sam said. I think the game will be decided by how the Broncos can stand up to their running game, though, because <clears throat> the Broncos can unleash all those pass if they get teams in situations where they have to pass. Uh, Mick is right in what he says. The Patriots went into that game knowing that they were going to pass and they wanted to pass. So the Broncos knew that they could just unleash Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware and Malik Jackson and just tell them to go after the quarterback. The quarterback's going to be in one spot on every single play. Just get to that spot and the play is over and that's all we need to do. The Panthers aren't like that. They're going to move the point of attack all the time. They're going to try and run right through the middle of you. They're going to try and use option plays outside. And you, even with Newton there just being that athletic and that dangerous as a runner, you have to slow down your rush in general just to be more disciplined to avoid giving him wide open running lanes. So it's a completely different task, and it's a much more difficult task. Even though Tom Brady and his offense has been much more celebrated than the Panthers' offenses, I think you're you're going to get you're you're probably going to see the Panthers get some big plays, but you're also going to see them have a lot more negative plays than they've had over recent weeks.
3: Can you just explain in a bit more detail of so if like why is it difficult because Cam can run the option and because he's got a running back? Why can they not just send a bunch of people and stack the box effectively while at the same time trying to come through that offensive line?
1: Well, because I think this is something that kind of, is kind of born out of Madden when people play Madden when they were younger and you kind of have running plays, but all your running plays are basically all the same. It's not really, you're not really running the ball the way NFL teams run the ball because NFL teams can run the ball and change numbers in specific areas. So you can run counter plays, you can pull your fullback, you can pull your tight end across the line of scrimmage. So they will trap the numbers you have in the box and then escape outside, or just target specific areas where your alignment isn't perfect. Like the thing Adrian Peterson used to say, I think Sam said it a few weeks ago, Adrian Peterson loves running against stacked boxes, because if he breaks one tackle, he's gone. And you, you can kind of do that against the Panthers, but the problem is the Panthers don't The Panthers don't have Adrian Peterson, obviously. They have a guy like Jonathan Stewart who can break tackles and go. They have a guy like Mike, Mike Tolbert who can do the same, even though he's a little bit slower. And then they have Cam. So you're not only trying to stop the player from breaking the tackle or, or breaking into space, you're trying to figure out at times who actually has the ball and who's actually going to carry the
3: ball, and that's where the confusion comes from, and that's where they're they're making chunks of yards.
1: Yeah, and it, it's we saw it in the um in on the first play against the Seahawks. The Jonathan Short ran for I think it was a 60 yard gain or something. Yeah, where they were the, the defense was just slow to react because they were just wondering trying to figure out where the ball was, and they con- I think that was a counter to the left, and Earl Thomas came down took a bad angle to the ball. But by that stage, even the defensive line had been trapped inside, and Jonathan Short cut back to the outside and just found a way right through a wide running lane that probably shouldn't have been there because because the, uh, there was eight players in the box.
3: Before that Seahawks game, we were saying, you know, Carolina, whatever, they've only lost one game, but who the hell have they played? Yeah. Generally, that Seahawks team, I think, is still <clears throat> in future going to become to be considered an absolutely astounding team. Yeah. They saw in the second half what they were actually capable of, but they'd given up a 40-point lead effectively. Uh, they beat those, and then they beat an Arizona team who... Afterwards, everybody, went, oh they they're lacking some playmakers and uh, Carson Palmer wasn't really at it. But up to that point, they looked astonishingly good.
0: I was just about to ask this. Like, I mean, you've got Carolina's two playoff performances that you just mentioned have actually been underanalyzed, in my opinion. Maybe like I'm I'm sure everybody's gone into the ins and outs of them, but in terms of the the grander um, narrative, it's it's you know there's been a bigger story every week, and it's like the first half of the t- the 31 nil was about. Seattle, and everybody sort of like, well, you know, what's going on here? Oh, Jesus, Carolina are explosive, but Seattle haven't turned up. Second half's almost irrelevant. You don't know what Carolina are actually... It's really hard to motivate yourself to come out in the second half and do much when you're winning by 31 points. Then they go and destroy Arizona, who we've talked up all year, and I know there's been doubts about them, and that absolutely was the case. That wasn't in retrospe- That wasn't looking back in retrospect, but we didn't think that they were you know, a 30-point team better than them. So I'm just wondering, like, I don't know what you think, Sam. Like, have have we underestimated Carolina's playoff performances so far the same way as we did with their regular season?
2: Um, I, I don't know if we've underestimated them. But I don't know. It's difficult to know what to make of that Seattle game because they absolutely destroyed Seattle in the first half um, and were just completely unable to get anything going again in the second half. And I don't think it was necessarily because they took their foot off the gas Seattle just started chipping away at that, at that lead and the Panthers couldn't get anything going against what is a very good defense. I think this is undoubtedly a very, very good Carolina team. When you look up and down, they've got quality. It's a lot better on offense than it looked on paper coming into the season. The the receivers that look really bad on paper are not good players, but they each have a role and, you know, Ted Ginn will drop passes, but he also has the kind of speed to take the top off a of defense and make a few big plays every now and again, which kind of, it almost redresses the bad plays you will make by dropping the ball. It's a pretty good team, and they're very unique schematically, certain for, certainly on offense. And then the defense, they have at least one stud at every level. So mm-hmm. they've got Kawan Short up front, you've got Luke Kuechly in the middle, and Josh Norman um, in the secondary. And each one of those guys uh, changes a little bit what you want to do on offense. And I think Kuechly in particular... Could be a real key to this game because he he is so good in coverage and has so much range. He's the, he's like the linebacker equivalent of Seattle's Earl Thomas as a free safety. He changes the windows that you're dealing with because he's he's in places that most linebackers can't get to. And don't forget,
0: you'll have Peyton Manning throwing the ball up into the sky, <laughs> who always... as as,
2: as Keekly can literally like
0: sit, uh, you know, just jog over and <laughs> intercept the ball twice yeah, or three mean...
2: times. Peyton Manning's a quarterback that 's already dealing with smaller windows than everybody else because the ball takes longer to get there, so you add in Keekly to that, and suddenly I, I find it very difficult to imagine him getting through this game without throwing an interception
0: mm. I was going to say, Ger, like I think that we 've obviously started to focus you say a great defense versus a great offense, or you know what's what's seemed like a great offense like you I mean let's not forget what. Denver actually did on offense against the Patriots. You know what I mean? It was their defense that completely won them that game. The Patriots absolutely had them locked down from the second quarter on, especially in the second half. They got absolutely nothing out of them and they could not move the ball. Like, I mean, Peyton, the idea that Peyton was back and all, like, I mean, maybe he had a good first half, but it, it faded. Yeah. And you've got a really good defense, as Sam was just saying, playing against them this week. How are they going to score 25 points?
3: Kean?
1: Well, I. I think it is going to be the only way they win the game is it will be a low scoring game. I don't think in general that we're underestimating the Panthers. They are the favorites and I do think most people are picking them to win. I think what what happens with the Panthers is they have very clear and very distinct weaknesses that you can point to and talk about. And normally teams that are this good don't have them, so we don't have them to talk about. Uh in terms of the Broncos trying to score against this defense, uh it's gonna be difficult. They're gonna it's gonna be a game where you're gonna need turnovers or you're gonna need um, even field goals, to, to stack field goals to get a roar and getting long touchdown drives.
3: Brandon um, McManus, 66-1, to 1, I think, for MVP.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think, um, I wrote that this week, if they're going to win, it's going to be like a, like the Falcons beat them in week 15. I think it was 17-10 or something like that. It's going to be in the teens or low 20s at, at best.
2: How bad does the game have to be before
1: the kicker wins MVP? <laughs> Well, didn't Al Davis take one
0: in
3: the first round years ago so. as <laughs> well? I think that there were he, he's been yeah, in Finitary, an uh, MVP.
0: Um, did Terry won a, a a Super Bowl MVP? Did he? I think. <clears throat> With a, oh, I,
3: I, oh, I, put myself out there on that one. <laughs> uh, so, just briefly talk about the roster construction of these two teams. I think they're the both. They both have the most free agents of any teams who have reached the Super Bowl, possibly in Super Bowl history. Um And that goes completely against everything that we've heard over the last number of years. You know, you're supposed to build the way Green Bay do. Um, and I'm wondering if this is a massive shift now in how teams approach stuff. Like, it's we keep hearing that it's a copycat league, Sam. And here, suddenly, we've watched... The Broncos, in particular, for example, they go out, they get absolutely annihilated in the Super Bowl by Seattle, and then two years later they've got a completely different constellation of players. They've uh, shipped out their incredibly high-scoring tight ends. They've who knows if they meant to keep Peyton a quarterback or not, but you know it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that Osweiler would have started, and it would have actually been completely the defense who got them here. So, is are we about to see a, a period where teams start to build? More constructively through free agency, as a result of what these two teams have done,
2: Denver and John Elway, I think, basically loaded up for a win now kind of team. You know, they they got to the Super Bowl in 2013, got blown out. Uh, Elway decided that he needed to get Manning a better defense to try and win the big game, and set about adding some key players in free agency to the defense. And he's done really well there. You know, you add in a a Tlaib... Talib. Um, a guy like uh, DeMarcus Ware, they got some really good pieces to add to that defense. But I think once they got into this year, he just kind of went, ah, screw it, and, and started adding anyone that was available. Guys like Evan Mathis was uh, an afterthought, but he became available. <laughs> and that way he thought, ah, why not? Let's let's bring him on. Um, we're not overabundant with, with offensive linemen. So I think this is a mixture of smart play and smart dealing with free agency and trying to to fix an area that was a problem with the roster and basically just going, look, we're all in this season. It's, we're, we're winning this or we're going home.
3: Yeah, and um, the Michael Auer as a punchline uh, situation yeah. and history keen that we were all like, oh, this guy, oh, he was, he was, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bowl left tackle now. Hollywood superstar, um, Sandra Bullock. Where's your Sandra Bullock now? All that, it's all gone. It's like, and he's been brilliant, right? Well, brilliant. He's been, he's been excellent.
1: I, I would push down towards competent because I think he, <laughs> he benefits a lot from that situation. Like we were talking about earlier, it's very hard to pass Rush Newton. And you, you can't really say that without pointing out that the offensive tackles benefit a lot from playing in that situation, from not having to be putting one-on-ones against, the, against great pass rushers. Like there was a – I was going through the Cardinals game. There was a lot of those plays where you were getting uh, – tight ends taking defensive ends in pass protection or you were getting chips all the time and it's just little things that help prop up a player and it's not it's nothing that should be held against him he's still been competent but the problem is you start talking about these guys as being great then when they're not really great they're just kind of in situations and that kind of brings us back to what happens in free agency and the mistakes people make in free agency they sign the, the kind of ancillary pieces off great teams and they overpay them and that's where people build this idea that free agency is bad free agency isn't bad it's just about being smart like even even last year, it's not just this year. You go back to last year. The Patriots signed Darrell Revis and Brandon Browner in free agency, and they were two key pieces of their of their Super Bowl defense. And it's they were smart deals. It didn't matter where they got the players from. It's so long as you're smart with what you do.
3: Yeah, there's been a sense that Carolina are spending their money wisely, and uh, the Broncos are buying everything available in the shop.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> it's a pretty good shot, isn't it? Yeah, and
3: their win, let's not forget, like Broncos are
0: going all in this season, is no harm. They've got a 39-year-old quarterback who's probably in his last season. What, what else are you, you going to do? You have to start rebuilding next season anyway.
2: Michael Ower is uh, graded pretty well in pass protection, but do you want to take a guess where he graded in run blocking this year amongst, amongst all all offensive tackles? 32? Yeah, don't last. No way, really? sixty yeah, four. absolutely, the <laughs> worst... Uh, run-blocking tackle in the NFL this season. I was going to say,
0: as a pass-blocker, though, I, I'd, I'd take Keane's... And after watching the Patriots' um, offensive line literally push guys into Tom Brady all season, I think I'd upgrade him again after <laughs> just well, I think being he's, confident. He's better than anybody good.
2: the Patriots had yeah. out there. But the interesting thing is, I think Keane's right in that both Ower and Mike Remmers on the other side, um, they're both very beatable in terms of pass protection. And obviously the Broncos have got pass rushers and then some. So there's definitely interesting matchups there. The other thing is, I don't know how much you have to be concerned about Cam Newton actually scrambling. Um, a lot of the running he does, most of the running he does, is by design. It's in the run game. He's only actually scrambled uh, this season, I think, the sixth most in the NFL. And there's six more quarterbacks that are within like half a dozen attempts of him. So I, I don't know. He'll, he's Every now and again, he'll break one. He's very difficult to take down. But I don't know if you have to worry about him you know, breaking contain and getting outside of the pocket the way you were terrified of a guy like Colin Kaepernick doing it, because he's looking to. I think Cam Newton is looking to stay in the pocket and actually pass the ball rather yeah. than get out and scramble.
1: I yeah. actually, I actually, I do agree with Simon that in, in a sense. But I would ask one thing: is that a lot of that about how defenses are approaching them? Because it seems to be a focus when I when I'm watching games where, where they just like they will spy him and they will just do everything they can to keep him in the pocket. And he, he takes advantage of that. He's really patient and he's really smart. But I I do think it's part of how the defense approaches it.
2: I think some of it is. But if you're Denver and you can deploy four or five pass rushers at a a given time and you know those guys have the beating, the offensive line, I, I don't know how much I'd be telling them to maintain specific lanes and try and keep them contained in the pocket as much as just beat your guy and pressure him. I suspect if they did the latter, they'd end up better than concentrating too much and trying to to contain him, you might get burned once in the game, but I think it would do, do you better overall to just go after him.
3: When you're talking about four or five pass rushers, who are they? Are you, does that include the defensive line?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you add in Malik Jackson. Derek Wolf has been fantastic since, well, not just since getting his contract, but it's been even better since getting the big contract. I think they're one of the best teams in the NFL at being able to send just four guys and get pressure. And that's huge because Cam Newton has been really good against the Blitz. So you don't. I don't think you want to send many more than that. So they can send uh, Von Miller, Demarcus Ware, Malik Jackson, and Derek Wolfe in their sub packages, and all four of those guys have a good chance of, of getting pressure. You add in you know rotation guys like Shaq Barrett, who would be starting on any other team as a, an outside linebacker edge guy. He can bring pressure, and you know first round pick Shane Ray almost gets forgotten about because he's like fifth down the pecking order.
3: Okay. You wanted to talk about the perception of um, Peyton Manning versus Cam? We talked a
0: little bit about this on Tuesday night, right? So there's, I don't know if we're getting into the whole HGH thing, which there was more news on again today. Apparently the guy who redacted his statements to Al Jazeera, even though he didn't know what he had said to Al Jazeera, um, had been like two hired goons in black had turned up at his house pretending to be police, pretending officers. To be police officers and there's a 911 call verifying all this who were basically private investigators hired by Peyton Manning and his PR company but anyway look If I Cam mean, Newton did that If Cam Newton did that that is the point here it's like I understand, I, I'm not going to make it a kind of a you know a white black thing I think it's establishment versus the new breed you know and it's just like Peyton Manning can do no wrong in the American press and this is about Peyton Manning being the greatest quarterback of all Chicken time that's
3: (laughs)
2: that's what
0: this Super Bowl is about and it's just so annoying because nobody is everybody has ignored this story right okay that's one thing two is like he's um, statistically the worst Super Bowl quarterback of all time coming into the season Right, from from his statistics this season right but like what the Patriots he did not beat the Patriots uh, okay but the, the, okay sorry just loads of and Cam Newton is perceived <laughs> no but I'm just I have to say the other side of this Cam Newton is perceived as this bad boy it was like we talked about a scouting report and stuff like that and basically the crazy racist comments that were on his scouting report going into the draft and all this stuff like whereas all I've seen this year is Cam Newton being a hero to his fans and giving a football to to little kids after every game and stuff like that and basically Cam's the villain yeah sorry every touchdown and Cam's the villain going into this Peyton is the oh god let's do one let's win one for the gipper Anyway, that's, that's my take going into this game. I'm clearly not biased. I,
2: I, I just have one question about the HGH thing. It's clearly a weird story, but the idea that Peyton Manning would try and fool people by getting HGH sent to his wife <laughs> because no one would ever make that connection, that, that just seems ridiculous. Like, yeah, if you're going to try and hide bad. the idea that you're getting HGH, surely you would send it to someone a little more distant from you than your wife in the same house.
3: I don't know it's uh, it's very handy, isn't it? It's like, uh, Evander Holyfield had his sent to a uh, Mr. E Holy something or other. Too obvious. Evander H. With Evander, maybe it was, with, uh, like, with the same phone number as Evander Holyfield on the same date of birth. And you're like, ah, he hit in the
2: head a lot more than Peyton Manning over it. Well, each, uh, you know? who knows? It's,
3: uh, it's, it's getting close at this point, particularly the way that uh, Peyton can't get out of the but, way but of these guys. But I think, Sam, <clears> like, I mean, honestly, like, without
0: be without kind of, like, obviously, we're laughing about this and stuff, but, like, Fair enough. Maybe, maybe he didn't. But surely this is, it deserved more investigation than any, what it was given by been, yeah. the American press. You know, no, I agree. CBS. It, does.
2: it definitely does. But that, that is a weird thing that nobody has yet even attempted to answer, <laughs> as far as I can work out. Would, would hey, Peyton Manning is widely regarded as a very smart, cerebral guy. Surely you're not honestly trying to claim that he would be dumb enough to avoid suspicion by getting the HGH just sent to his wife.
3: Yeah, he, he could have sent it to Archie, like that would have been uh, no. Everybody would have assumed Or it. Eli, <laughs> screw him <them> all together. <laughs> um, one last point, who's going to win? Cian?
1: Uh I think the Panthers will. I, th- I do think they, they've kind of proven themselves over the year that they are just a, a bit of an overwhelming team and it's going to come down to, even though Cam Newton and the offense are kind of the big story, it is going to come down to what makes Peyton Manning. And it's going to come down to him trying to throw the ball against Luke Cookley. And the one thing we didn't mention in the whole podcast was um, Thomas Davis and his broken arm. Yeah. Because I do think he'll be really important if he can play. If he can't play, you've got Shaq Thompson on the field, who or is, uh, AJ Klein, Klein might play as well, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be Shaq Thompson. And if he's playing, Peyton will think that he can go after a guy who's a rookie, and over a guy like Thomas Davis, who is a great, great player.
3: Yeah, I mean, you just have to wonder what, what's in the magic jab they're going to give Thomas Davis to play through the pain barrier as his arm is flapping in the breeze during the yeah. Super Bowl. No, a big hard, hard cast it
2: and metal now, it's fine. Yeah.
3: Break <laughs> CJ <laughs> Anderson in half on his
0: first run of the move.
1: He probably should have had an HGH sent to his wife. That would have helped him. So.
3: Um, so you're going for Carolina just about, or in a blowout, or...?
1: I, I think it would be close. I think that Denver defense is good enough to keep... More, more
0: than five points? <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
1: I take Denver, I think, if you're asking oh, that. God. Okay. All right, okay, so
3: that's, that's interesting. It's and, too late for me. Uh, Sam, what about you?
2: I Yeah, I'm still leaning Carolina, I think. I started off and I thought it, would, it wasn't particularly close. I thought Carolina would win quite comfortably. But the more I looked into it and the more I have thought about it, the more I think Denver actually can keep this really close. And the one real X factor is that I definitely think that Peyton Manning is going to make a mistake at some point. I think he'll turn the ball over. But the more I think how likely it is that Denver are going to be able to get after Cam Newton, there's a real possibility that that defense can force a turnover of its own. And I think they probably need to. If Denver are going to win this game, they need to have their defense force more turnovers than the Panthers can.
3: Yeah. I'm scared now you think Denver might win?
2: No,
0: I, I I, just, I think that they're really good points that I can't really counter. <laughs> yeah, no,
3: it's uh, I, it does feel a bit, um like I'm, I'm definitely, I see the whole good versus evil thing, but I, I would kind of have Carolina as, as good, <clears throat> having purged themselves of Greg Hardy. They're yeah. now clean again. Greg, um... I've, uh, I've been thinking a lot about Greg Hardy this week. And yeah, what is yeah, on?
0: speaking of Greg's, actually, we haven't mentioned Greg Olson once, and when we're talking about their offense, Greg Olson has been amazing for them this season. And I think Akib Talib is going to take him, who's like a pretty good guy to put on him. So I think that could be actually a really big contest to look out for.
3: Yeah. All right. Uh, Any specific advice for people watching the Super Bowl for the first time, lads, about how to make it through? Are you guys going to bed first and getting up first?
2: No, I (laughs) I I can't do that. That would be crazy. I wouldn't get out of bed again. Do Do you
3: drink during the game?
2: Is it like? Last year I did. Yeah, why not?
3: Yeah, well, because I've got to drive at 8 o'clock the next morning. (laughs) Well,
2: that's a different problem. Yeah,
3: yeah. Kim, what about you?
1: Well, it's kind of hard asking me because I've been doing this forever, so I I don't have to get up on a Monday morning, so I can't tell anyone what to do. All right.
3: Lads, great stuff. Thanks very much. Enjoy the game. You too. All right, so... uh, Mixed picks back for one final time. (laughs) Carolina minus five. Carolina minus five. That's what you're picking, is it? Yeah, sure. I've already
0: bet it. I may as well pick it on here. You did bet it, did you? In for a penny, in for a pound. And when did you bet it? In for 30 pounds.
3: Um, When? Yeah. Today. Friday. At, um... Afternoon. At, like, half-time in the Patriots-Denver game, I was like, uh... Should really back the... NFC? Yeah. I think the line was one point at that point. Yeah. That was so stupid. I should have just gone yeah. on and, because I just thought both teams were really but bad. But that was
0: the idea was that the Patriots, the reason it was that was because Patriots the, could beat them. The, the Broncos were going to be 6-point underdogs and the Patriots were going to be 3-point favorites, so they kind of got no matter what happened in the AFC Championship game. And actually to be honest, I like I would be I'd be very scared and I wouldn't be like making a pick or anything like that, but I'd be I I'd, I'd be going in with a fighting chance if the Patriots were in there this week, I wouldn't be like Completely dismissing the idea of oh, them um, winning winning.
3: Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't I'd... make them three point favourite though.
0: No, but see the Patriots defence was really good this this year and was really good in that championship game as well. And I just think that they came up against in the they were away. Let's not let's not forget because of their own stupidity in the last two games of the year. Yeah, and um and just came up against like the perfect storm of a team that was just so suited to attack their weaknesses. I don't think um don't think Carolina would have that. But anyway, let's not talk about the Patriots. I also and they missed an
3: extra point. They didn't miss an extra point. We didn't talk about that game ever because we were both sick, so we didn't actually get a yeah, chance to yeah, the podcast. Yeah. But um
0: sick as dogs.
3: Yeah, uh, and they missed an extra point. It's they, like, look, but how they, weird is that? It is
0: really weird, but in And as soon as it
3: happened, you thought, uh-oh. Koskowski,
0: I've talked about him on this show, on this podcast even, about how... It, he's it's, stunning.
3: He's like one of the greatest he, kickers of all time. Uh,
0: exactly. Like, he's he's in at least the Patriots Hall of Fame, if not the overall Hall of Fame. Like, it just happens. The first one he missed, it was early in the game. It wasn't like he bottled it in the last minute or anything, you know? Um, that was an, an interesting experience, that game, because it did nothing right, and then just... Brady was having this awful thing. He was fourth and ten. The game was over, and he just nails this amazing thing now it's Gronk as well. Like let's yeah. not forget. He's, but it was just like how he he has ice running through his veins. I've I've seen him do that so many times on fourth down, and like when nothing's gone right.
3: Like okay, so he was targeted a good bit, right? Well, he was hit more than
0: so. This is what I was, I was saying, right? There's an amazing statistic about this. There, they only started um, keeping statistics I think three years ago on how many times a quarterback gets hit in a game so be it after the throw or yeah. whatever it is all together and he was hit more than anybody in, the his, in those three years in any game
3: Sure, 20 times but why didn't they throw the ball to Gronkowski a
0: little bit more? because Gronk was being triple teamed I mean if you watch that in if you watch that in um, like the, the, they really shut him down and and Edelman and Amendola weren't they and Scott Chandler and God, he's got Chandler Lord, did Brandon LaFell wasn't even thrown to I don't think yeah, as far as I can remember I
3: actually didn't think he'd played and then I yeah, saw yeah, that he on him, field seeing yeah. him
0: knocking around the fourth quarter I was like I actually forgot about him so I mean there's just, they just don't have enough guys that can make plays so if you've got Chris Harris on one guy and you've got Tlaib on another guy and they're just not going to let you do anything, then you can triple-team Gronkowski, and it's really hard to do anything. Yeah, maybe. And maybe. But let's then they not can, forget, Brady doesn't have any time.
3: They can triple-team um, Greg Olsen, and so it's going to have to be the Carolina run game. And
0: They just have more of a threat. Uh, Cam's going to have more time. He's a threat on his own. And Jonathan Stewart's having a really good year.
3: He is having a really good year, despite the fact that Jonathan he's Stewart's kind of nickname is in the injured. Carolina
0: Panthers. The Piano Man. I watched. Um, uh, they did a, a feature on him during a Monday Night Football game against the Colts a few months ago. He, he's a he's a classically trained piano. Oh, you can actually pianist. play piano. Yeah, oh, right. It's like so. Uh, they had um, coach. Uh, what's his name? The guy who does the the uh, he's, features. He's the Redskins uh, coach's brother. He won the Super Bowl with the Gruden. Gruden, John yeah. Gruden. It's yeah. like they call him the Piano Man, Mike,
3: with the Tampa <laughs> Bay Buccaneers.
0: Yeah, and went to Oakland did nothing and hasn't coached since which yeah. is
3: making a fortune on ESPN Is there not the other way around? Didn't the Raiders in the Tampa Bay oh, Buccaneers yeah. traded like 17 picks <laughs> and 10 million dollars to get them?
0: That's the way to do it though if you're if you're a coach you just like, win a Super Bowl with a dodgy team really young you're mm-hmm. going to be a name forever you're going to be in the conversation every time a job comes up and then yeah. you get a new contract off your uh, TV Yeah Company that want to keep you,
3: he's. I I don't watch Monday night football because it's on way too late. But anytime I see any of this stuff, I quite like what he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, I can't go against Carolina minus five. I I, so, as far as I know, I'm like 17 points ahead in the next picks. (laughs) We did playoffs ones, but it all fell apart when we just missed two weeks there. Yeah, off the top of my head, I'd say. Uh, Well, uh,
0: we'll give you the win. You won won the season, let's face it. So, uh, I don't even know if it is. So, what do you think? Coldplay,
3: um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm in two minds. I think I might go to bed at like eight o'clock mm. and sleep for two hours, because otherwise I won't be able to stay up the, the whole time. I had
0: a great night last year. It was so good. What? Well,
3: because they won? Did you just uh, go? wouldn't no, you stay up for I, I hours? I went out at three, half three in the morning. I
0: went out. No, I was out watching right. it, and then I went home. But it was so much fun. There was there was that moment where I didn't realize it was an interception. Yeah. I just thought they'd blocked up the pass, and everybody was jumping up and down. And I'm like, you idiots! They're so just gonna play. score the next play, and now there's less time. <laughs> And I went, what? 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 Nah. Look, to be honest, I like I have this feeling it's gonna be a little bit of a blowout, but I mean the lads have actually like, I thought that was actually brilliant analysis. Like there was really stuff that I hadn't considered or even read about elsewhere this week has made me think twice. But the Broncos have the Broncos won two Super Bowls um in 97, 98 but other than that, have a record of being absolutely pounced in Super Bowls. Yeah, And two years ago against Seattle, it was a lot of fun for a few minutes. And then it was kind of a boring Super Bowl after that.
3: Did Peyton win, that win one or... and lose one in, in Indy? He won one of The lost Saints lost beat one. him.
0: Yeah, yeah, they lost to the Saints and beat the Bears with Rex Grossman, like the worst Super Bowl team of all time. Right. Although yeah. Devin Hester did return the opening kickoff for a touchdown that day. For Indy? For the Bears. Oh, right. The yeah.
3: Okay, so they... They'll... That and came, uh,
0: they won easily enough like I mean it was he didn't he wasn't he did, he wasn't tested in that yeah. game like, it was he'll just get tested this week it,
3: I, like I, I I can't I really hope it's a blowout so I can go to bed <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the spirit you watch all up. you watch all year just so you hope that the the, the final game is over in five yeah. minutes so you can go to bed yeah that's the attitude
3: uh, we didn't I managed to get through a whole podcast and I talked about the 49ers well almost apparently uh, Kaepernick <laughs> wants to go to the Jets but they don't want him We should just, like, you know, we're
0: we're trying not to be self indulgent. I did do 10 minutes on the Patriots there for absolutely no reason. But let's come back in a week or two and just talk about our our regrets for the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, our hopes for 2016.
3: Uh, All right. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Whatever you do, uh, feel free to tweet us next week. We'll come back and I'll try to help. Oh, yeah, totally. All right. All right. Take care.